0: A Spontaneous and Unrehearsed Interview
1: Welcome to the 88th episode of Curiosityness I'm Travis DeRose, the guy that's talking to you right now, the host of the show, and... I got to say, I've always wanted to be a race car driver. It looks awesome. It looks so fun. I've always liked cars, so I've always wanted to race cars. But who, who the heck am I? Who am I? I've never, I'm not going to race. I don't have the racing family or the money to race, but I can do iRacing. So i racing is basically like a computer simulation of racing. And it's, It's a simulator first. It's not a video game. It's designed to simulate real-world racing and simulate they do. So I have Chris Leon on this episode to tell me all about iRacing, and it's seriously impressive. The amount of time and effort and thought that they go into the detail to make iRacing realistic is insane. They scan every inch of real racetracks, every inch and component of real race cars, and they even on a track if you're right if you're on the track for a while the track starts to heat up the driving dynamics change because the track is heating up it's crazy it's insane what they're able to do with this stuff so buckle in this is a crazy episode we talk about all that stuff we talk about how to get started with iRacing equipment you need the cost vr everything so let's get to the episode here is chris from iRacing chris what's up we're going
0: Hanging in there. How are you doing, Travis?
1: I'm doing good. It's kind of good. I woke up this morning to to these guys uh, power washing the side of our uh, apartment building, so I had to relocate to somewhere that was a little quieter for this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that'll happen. I uh, dealt with some pretty torrential downpours yesterday, but uh, the resulting mess has mercifully been cleaned up, and all it took was one trip to a 24-hour Walgreens and uh Target, some box fans and some towels.
1: Okay. Life's good now, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no uh no more slippery basement floor.
1: Right. Well, we're both here now and uh I am very interested to learn more about iRacing. Like, you know, I'm a I've always wanted to race, get into it, you know. I watched whatever ford versus ferrari all these movies and steve mcqueen racing and stuff and it's it's awesome it's it seems so fun but i you know who the hell am i i have no idea how to race or anything like that how am i gonna do this but uh then i i hear about i racing and uh i may be able to to jump on it just a little bit
0: yeah for sure i mean we are We fashion ourselves as the world's premier motorsport simulation. We're a a PC subscription product. Um, The company has been around for over a decade, and actually its origins are traced back much further than that to uh, the 90s, um, and I believe even the late 80s, actually, with a company called Papyrus that used to do uh, licensed sims for IndyCar and NASCAR. And obviously, the computing power of the time much different from what we have today, where, you know, back then you'd probably be playing things off floppy disks, and now here we are with solid-state drives, and, you know, I've got my USB microphone, we're talking on Skype, you know, we've got all this processing power. Very different, but Papyrus made a series of, you know, very successful, very popular computer games, and after... Losing the exclusive license in the early 2000s to EA, uh, the company, most of the people sort of uh, re uh, reorganized, rebranded with the help of uh, John Henry, who is the uh, you know obviously the owner of the Boston Red Sox, owner of Liverpool FC, owner of a number of other businesses, um, and sort of reorganized into iRacing. And the idea of iRacing has been to take that realistic model of simulation racing, really we kind of see ourselves as the original e because mm-hmm. we have always been multiplayer, you know, from the, from the very, very beginning, it's always been about purely about racing online. Really. Um, and expanded from those NASCAR physics and obviously NASCAR has been, you know, kind of the bread and butter of a lot of what we've done over the years. But, um, expanding back into open wheel expanding into sports cars expanding into dirt oval stuff with the world of outlaws expanding into dirt road racing with short course trucks and rallycross, which is where i come from in the real world of racing and so now we've got a product with 80 plus tracks 80 plus cars you know quarterly builds where we release new content there's all sorts of stuff Seven, you know, anywhere from five to seven world championships a year that give out over half a million dollars to the world's best players. It's something that's really exploded. And then, obviously, this spring, with everything that's happened in the world and the COVID 19 pandemic really shutting a lot of things down, Mm -hmm. um, you know, these companies, these real world racing series and drivers and everybody started moving to competing more extensively with us to right. where um you know we have races on TV and you know the six most viewed eSports broadcasts of all time uh with our partners with Fox and then later this year with our partners with NBC uh we'll be bringing our NASCAR championship back to television for the professional gamers that we have in that series. so wow. it's something where you know, it's it's really expanded very quickly, and you know, I've just kind of been uh, lucky to tag on. I'm actually one of the newest, certainly not the newest anymore, but one of the newest people in the marketing department. So, you know, I, I got in as this sort of groundswell of momentum was beginning to rise. Um, you know, landed with the company last year. Uh, I had done some on and off freelance stuff for iRacing way, way back, nearly a decade ago, even but landed on just as all of the really big stuff started happening. So it's been, it has been a wild ride over the past year plus And, uh, you know, it's very exciting to just be a part of it.
1: Yeah. Well, very cool. It, I mean, it's awesome to watch. And like you said, I mean, putting this stuff on TV, like watching, watching this, it's almost, I'm confused sometimes whether I'm watching a game or a real Like broadcast of something, it looks so good.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we've got we've got such an incredible art department that just busts their tails every. uh, And (laughs) I'm not the right person to get into the details of their story, but I will say that you know one of the things that we do that that really sets apart what our tracks drive like, feel like, look like versus you know tracks that you might get in a more arcade type simulation we actually send people out to physically scan all of these tracks uh just every inch of the surface every bump every rut every on and on and on you know to make sure that they look and drive as realistically as possible and uh our art team i can't say enough about what they did during the spring with uh with all of the stuff that we did with NASCAR, they were updating tracks every single week. And it would go that we'd, we'd have a race on Sunday, and then by Thursday, there'd be another patch where all of the signage on whatever the coming week's track was, all of that signage would be totally different and updated to exactly what it would have looked like had the race happened in the real world that particular week. And wow. And just the speed at which they turned it around was, you know, just incredible. All the things that got in and we had this June build. I have no idea how we got as much content into the June build as we did, but it was something like five different race vehicles and one or two tracks, you know, and one of our biggest builds ever. And this in the midst of us basically running a majority of real-world motorsport, because we were doing stuff for NASCAR, we were doing stuff for IndyCar, we were doing stuff for IMSA, which is, you know, North America's sports car racing series. We were doing it for Rallycross, you know, World of Outlaws again. And then on top of that, all of our existing eSports championships. So it was... God, you just can't say enough about a team like that. I mean, we're, we're certainly... We're not a conglomerate. We're not EA, right? You know, we're not we're not a business like that. It's we're, you know, we, we've got a, we've got a hell of a team for the size of a company that we are and that we were able to accomplish as much as we did so far this year, knowing the situation that we were in, knowing the situation that everybody was in and how many people were relying on us. I mean, that's, those are the kind of people you want in your corner in the business world. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, man. So, so jumping back then too is this, I mean, when you guys were first Papyrus and everything like that, was this first and foremost kind of a to simulate real-world racing, or is this a like a video game for fun?
0: This is much more of a simulation. iRacing is much more of a simulation-oriented product. There are things, you know, there are some options when you set up hosted sessions by yourself where you can, say, turn damage off or... You know not race in first person if you if you really want to, if you really, really want to make it casual, you're able to. Uh-huh. but it's it's primarily first and foremost, it is built as a simulator. Um, you know and it's a product that a lot of people in mm. real world motorsport uh, rely on use very heavily to get prepared for you know various various races if it's a track that they've never seen before. Or if it's a car that they've never driven before and they're going to get in. I mean, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is probably the most well-known of our advocates. And he's been an advocate from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, somebody who, when we started trying to bring in real-world teams in esports, Dale was one of the first people to say, yeah, absolutely, I'm in. You know, we'll do do a junior motorsports esports team. Um, You know, so they've always been very forward-thinking over a JRM and Dale has really been one of the biggest behind that. But there have been a lot of drivers who have chalked up real world success to uh what they've done in iRacing, you know, just to sort of build them up. There's you know, in the NASCAR truck series you've got a driver Ty Majeski who uh, you know, one of the highest rated iRacers of all time. Um and Ty has converted that into a ton of real world success on the um you know <laughs> on the NASCAR Cup side as well you've got William Byron and William Byron's career sort of launched because he was such a talented iRacer, racer and the list goes on you know i if i started trying to name off too many then i'd probably think back later and realize oh god i missed this guy oh god i missed that guy you know there is right. we're fortunate that we have a very long list of people who have really used iRacing racing to help them make more of their respective careers and it's helped them progress up the ladder more quickly and get to racing's highest levels. And that's not just limited to NASCAR either. You've got people, you know, of all different forms of motorsports, you know, big names, Indy 500 winners, Formula 1 race winners, guys like that who are all, you know, devoted advocates of the product and that really is one of the biggest things for us is having those kinds of people that are backing what we do and supporting what we do and advocating for the people that they work with to help us create a more realistic product because then they're able to turn around and go use it, especially, especially now because in 2020 people are very, very limited Mm -hmm. in what kinds of real world practice they can get. It's just, you know, it's, because of COVID and because of all of the travel restrictions and how careful everybody needs to be. I mean, you're basically hit at NASCAR. The first laps you're taking are the warm up laps before the green flag. There's no practice or qualifying anymore this year. You know, wow. so if you're jumping in and it's you know, it's funny. We're We're doing this interview on a Friday and tomorrow night. Travis Pastrana is going to be running a NASCAR truck race for the first time in three years. And Travis has done NASCAR on and off, but it's really, you know, it's funny because uh, Travis realized, man, I am getting zero practice before I jump into this thing. I am just jumping in, you know? And so he's all set up, he's on his iRacing rig, and he's been turning lap after lap after lap in the truck at Kansas and just you know, remembering the sight lines, remembering the breaking points, everything like that, you know, that you're not able to do in the real world anymore because you don't have those practice sessions. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's a really symbiotic relationship between what we do and the real world and those who have put their energy into that, those who have, you know, really supported that have been able to reap the benefits. And, you know, and certainly that includes us because you know being able to have this roster of people in our corner that support what we do is just so immense we couldn't do it without them yeah well
1: no it's incredible and i mean it, it's great that you guys exist and are so realistic and people real racers can use you guys because like racing is not like a like playing the piano where you can just you know you have the piano everywhere you go you can just sit down and play it whenever you want you, this you can't like you have to go get a track time even a professional racer i'm sure doesn't Mm -hmm. it's hard for them to get as much practice time as they want or you know really need but having you guys to kind of fill that gap is incredible
0: oh especially in this day and age i mean motorsport and i got to see this firsthand really in the half a decade that i spent in the real world working with uh, global rallycross is Motorsport does not always do well in managing cost, um, And I've, I've said that as nicely as I possibly can, um, <laughs> you know, you know, costs can balloon. I mean, everybody, everybody always wants unlimited resources, right? No matter what you're doing. Um, but, but there are times when you start writing blank checks and not really budgeting for the future and things start sort of going out of hand and, You know, real-world motorsport has dealt with this crisis time and again over decades and decades. And, you know, formulas will get built way, way up to the point where the cost no longer makes sense. And then you've got to bring them down. And, you know, what's the first thing that you can cut that you can regulate is you tell everybody, hey, you're not testing anymore. Test sessions used to be a very, very common thing in, you know, certainly in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would go to the track a few weeks beforehand, you'd turn a bunch of laps. Yeah, about 15, 20 years ago, that went, you know, they could, they killed that because it was just such a huge expense. Now, if you're lucky enough to get selected to do a tire test when, uh, you know, when they're developing a new tire compound, you might get to go to a track and turn laps early. But you also know that you're probably not getting the call again for another few years. Uh, because they try to cycle it through evenly for everybody. Um, so it's one of those things where, yeah, if, if you're, if you're going within the world of iRacing, then the track time's unlimited, you know, the crash bills aren't there. The fuel bills aren't there. The tire bills aren't there. Yeah, You know, it's, you know, instead of the tens, even hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, that you could spend, uh, on various test sessions throughout the year it's the cost of whatever car you want to drive, whatever tracks you want to drive. And the, obviously the SIM comes with a good amount of free cars and free tracks as part of your base level subscription anyway. So Mm -hmm. depending upon what you're looking to go into, uh, you may, (laughs) you may not need to spend too much more money on top of that in the first place. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it can certainly add up and racing is no doubt as expensive for anybody as they want to make it. Mm -hmm. But You know, compared to compared to what you would be doing in the real world if you just scheduled tests and track time whenever you wanted, it is it's pennies, comparatively. It really is.
1: Right, yeah. And you just sit there in your underwear too. You don't have any commute or anything like that.
0: You know, it's it's funny what some of the what some people race in. I've seen well, I've heard some stories, and I'm not going to relate them because I wasn't a part of the company at the time, so they're not really mine to tell. But there are there are some there are all sorts of drivers who who prefer to race all different ways. Some guys prefer to race barefoot because they feel that they that they're more controlled in the pedals. There are guys who want to race shirtless. There's there's all sorts of things. I mean, I'm not that way. I I would never be that way. I much prefer to have everything that i would be doing in the real world i you know because i don't drive in the real world barefoot so i'm not going to drive with a sim pedal barefoot i'm not used to that that's weird to me right it just it just doesn't feel right um but then again i am also probably the worst i racer in the office in terms of skill level so maybe i'm not the person to take advice from
1: right And then, so we we talked about you know how real racers are using this to train and stuff. But what about the flip side? Is there are there guys who get started on iRacing racing and sim racing and then convert that those skills into the real world?
0: Yeah, and and that's uh, I mean that's what like Ty Jeski and William Byron those two names that I brought up earlier they're probably the best examples of that. But I think what we're trying to build for the future is something where. A lot of the guys who are in, you know, our top series right now—whether you're talking the NASCAR Coca-Cola I Racing Series, the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup, our World of Outlaws Series, whatever it may be—you um, know, we're, we're certainly trying to build a platform to where we can bridge that gap to the real world. Where it's really difficult is how much it costs to run, you know, real events, even. Even events that aren't that costly, like a super late model, it can still add up. And if you're not, you know, if you're not fairly well sponsored or if you're not coming from money, you know, it can almost be impossible to break in. But, you know, we're certainly trying to build a product where the guys who are able to break in can be successful very quickly. And I think that we've done, you know, I I think the... The past decade or so, some of the drivers who have been able to come through, you know, have demonstrated that, um, you know, it, it's and, and I can see there are a bunch of different drivers that are in our NASCAR series, in our Porsche series that I think if they got into a real car and had a real season, you know, of resources, I think they do very well, mm-hmm. um, you know. I think it's hard to expect anybody to go win a championship in anything out of the gate, but I think they would all do very, very well. Um, you know, we the prize for a lot of different championships, world championships that we have, actually is a track day with a various, uh, you know, with various different vehicles. Last year with NASCAR, we had a couple of drivers that got into a super late model for the test, uh, for example. Uh, world of Outlaws every every year we send those champions to Charlotte. in November is part of the real world championship and they get to do some test sessions. Um, You know, it's so we certainly are trying to bridge that gap because you know, if you're able to get good in the sim, then maybe that's a couple of years worth of dollars that you're not blowing on a dead end career path. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, And I hate to phrase it that way, but again, yeah, motorsports is really, really expensive. If you don't have a sponsor, you know, or if you don't have family money behind you, your career can end before it really gets going. But, you know, these kids who are running in these esports championships, and I shouldn't just say kids because, you know, we've, we we certainly, we have some teenagers, but we have some drivers, you know, up in their twenties, up in their thirties on and on, you know, these guys, because of who they're representing, from teams, from sponsors, you know, they get the media training aspect of this as well because they know that they're expected to represent these partners at a high level. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that, yes, you can teach it, but if you're coming in with that skill set already ingrained, then it's such a huge advantage. I mean, we did a media day in Charlotte in January uh before You know, before travel and everything started slowing down, where we basically had the whole series there and they did media training. And there was a driver in a regional NASCAR series um, who was very bitter about that because it was somebody who had won a lot of races and a lot of championships and felt like, in comparison, he hadn't gotten enough recommendation. And it was the, it was kind of the damn kids get off my lawn sort of mindset. And, right. the way that our NASCAR drivers respond to it, responded to it, they were so mature, they were so reasoned. They, they weren't dispassionate, but they weren't saying things that would embarrass anybody, would throw anybody under the bus. You know, Every single one of them acted in a way that we could be proud of, that NASCAR could be proud of, that their sponsors and their teams could be proud of. You know, they, they all did such an incredible job in standing up to being challenged by somebody who, you know, whether whether it was bitterness or just not really understanding the difference and understanding the concept, you know, they did such a great job of standing up to that and handling that situation. And that's the kind of thing where, you know, if, if I'm a team principal, five ten years down the line, I'm looking at kids you know, who are coming out of esports that might be in their late teens, early 20s. If I'm seeing them respond that maturely off the track, you know, in places like Twitter, where it's so easy for something to become a cesspool so quickly, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking at those kids and thinking, well, that's somebody I can trust to make mature decisions on the track as well. I can trust that kid not to tear up equipment. I can trust him when he's away from the track, not to party super hard that, you know, he embarrasses our sponsors or whatever. You know, I can trust these people, you know, because they do a good job of representing themselves. And it, it's really, it's such a multifaceted concept in building drivers. And it's something, again, I, I was experienced with that in the real world. We had a lights class in GRC where we had a lot of drivers who were just sort of coming up there. And it was important for us to teach them those media skills. I mean, I had kids who, the first time I talked to them, they're, you know, 16, 17 years old and, you know, I'm asking them a question and they're giving me maybe two sentences. And, you know, a few months later, you ask them another question, do another interview, and you're getting a detailed, thoughtful answer. You know, that's not it's not just corporate talking points either. It's, you know, it's a reasoned, measured Explanation of what's going on on track, how they're adapting to different driving conditions, on and on. You know, it's it's something where I think you're going to see a lot of drivers in the future that come from the sim racing world, whether it's us, whether it's any other product. You know, and they're going to come in, and they really are going to be the total package. They're not going to have a ton of real world experience, you know, necessarily, and yeah, that can be a detriment because there is a lot more driving by the seat of your pants in the real world. But, you know, again, there's, it, it's made such a difference for so many drivers, uh, moving up the ranks that, you know, I, I just, I think you're going to get to a point in the future of real racing where just about everybody who you see in there is going to have come in some fashion from the esports world, from the sim racing world. Right. And the rest, are probably just people who have uh, come into money and then are just finally chasing their dreams so yeah you need those folks too because they keep it afloat but. right
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need the rich guys but that's what's fun yeah. about your product too is that somebody like me who you know i don't i'm not going to be a you know a professional driver or anything like that but i and and i'm interested in racing and i want to try it so i can get on iRacing and yeah. you know have fun and do this and i it's to me, it just feels a little bit more meaningful, or I guess meaningful when I know that it's simulating the real world, like it's simulating the real thing. And maybe, you know, you know, one day a year or something, I could get out on a real track and and go drive (laughs) too. you know, so that I love that aspect of it, that it's kind of bringing the real world to just, you know, casual people like myself.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, just some of the drivers who get on it and you know, regularly and want to have fun with it and want to hone their skills and all sorts of things. You know, one of the things that I've been lucky enough to do in the, uh, you know, over the spring, we did the IRX series, you know, the iRacing Rallycross series. And there are most of our biggest names were kind of struggling to make the final. They were rally now rallycross is tough anyway on iRacing because unlike the real world where you had a ten car final and twelve cars would show up, uh, we have a ten car final but twenty eight cars would show up. Uh-huh. You can imagine there's there's a very different level of competition to try to make a final like that. Right. And a lot of those guys they still wanted to race, they still wanted to have fun, but they wanted to do something different. And, you know, just kind of as a self-deprecating jab at themselves, uh, called it the LCQ League, and they do that on Monday nights. And I was lucky enough to be asked to be the guy who kind of sets things up for them. And basically what it is is they'll do three or four races a night, and they don't know what they're doing. They, they're not told until the session goes up what car they're driving, where they're driving it. Um, so it's literally just jump in and have fun. And it's all these guys, you know. Pastrana is one of them. Connor Daly has kind of been the linchpin of this, where we've been streaming on Connor's Twitch, and you know, it's. But you've had, you know, you've got an Indy 500 winner, and Alexander Rossi. You've got, you know, guys like Ed Carpenter and James Hinchcliffe who have sat on the pole for that race. You know, Scott Speed has done a few. Scott Speed was the last full-time American driver in F1, I believe um you know rossi did some f1 but i think he got in there partly through the season uh you know brandon Semenuk, who is a pro rally driver but also one of the world's best mountain bikers you know chad reed supercross champion bilko who is an fmx star you know you've got this hugely deep roster of all these drivers and god i hope that they're not listening because i'm sure i forgot somebody and i'm gonna get an angry text message but um you know it, it's so they've been going through and just sort of having fun and one of these nights we finished all the racing and three or four of the guys they wanted to go they wanted to keep racing they were like well our, our wives are out at wine night or whatever you know it's the kids are in bed you know i i i've got a couple hours to myself let's keep driving mm-hmm. so all of us and i usually don't drive i've actually I've got some hardware issues right now, so I'm using an Xbox controller. You can do it. I don't recommend it. You will not be fast, mm-hmm. um, and you won't get you won't get the experience that iRacing is designed for. Yeah. Um, but but so we were jumping into some public lobbies and doing some races at Daytona, and so you've got these random, you know, you've you've got a dozen random people from around the world, and they're sitting there, and they've got. An indie car race winner, a supercross champion, a freestyle motocross rider, all just sort of raiding their sessions and coming in and racing. And it's like, <laughs> you know, you can you can deal with that anytime that you uh, you know, anytime that you go into iRacing, you can jump at a public session and whoop, there might be Dale Jr. and there might be, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of NFL players actually who are pretty avid iRacers. AJ McCarron, uh, you know, the quarterback for he's played for multiple teams. Now, Kyle Long, Kyle Long actually has a team in our NASCAR series, you know, very, very uh, talented defensive lineman. Um, you know, a lot of different players, Bernard Pollard, has you know, sort of started taking over social media over the past few months, becoming a NASCAR fan, you know, very talented defensive back. And he started getting in on iRacing and now he's starting to run races and, you know, so you'll see real world drivers, you'll see NFL players, you'll see other various celebrities. We have a lot of musicians who play, you know, it's it's just it's kind of crazy. You know, you'll you'll you never know who you're going to end up racing against if you jump into some of these public sessions. And that's part of what makes it a lot of fun. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, no, very cool. And you mentioned this before, how you guys literally will scan tracks, but like, just Mm -hmm. to like impart what that means, like you guys are, are literally scanning every square foot of a track to get it exactly what it is like in real life.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. And I mean, so we actually have a van that we'll send out across, you know, across the country. And it's the same way that we scan our cars. Uh, you know, we'll So we'll send our personnel out You know, with all of our Equipment to just Get every bump, every building Every Every square inch of all Of these different facilities You know, to make sure that they're realistic It's just, it's not the same If you're building it Solely based on eyesight And on visuals, I mean, mm-hmm. every track Has unique character I mean, there's there's a reason why Everybody goes up in arms Anytime that a NASCAR track gets repaved And it's because it is not Going to remotely race the same Way um, You know worn pavement and Fresh pavement do completely Different things to tires um, Especially at that level where you're talking Peak performance um, But these, these dynamic track Conditions all this stuff You know by having those laser scans And you know by just having all of this technology at our disposal, it allows us to create a more realis- realistic product. It means that it'll take longer sometimes for something to come out. You know, there are certainly, um, you know, there are certainly other products out there that may have beaten us to various vehicles or various tracks, or maybe we didn't have a license for something yet, or maybe we're just taking the extra time to build it. You know, but it- it's one of those things where. Building it this way is what's gonna give our users the most realistic experience. Sure. You know, maybe the only the only exception really to this is a lot of the Rallycross tracks are actually designed by iRacing, which coming from that world, I admit being kind of a purist, it kind of bothered me that we didn't have more real ones in there. Then we did the series in the spring with all the pros and they liked all of the fantasy tracks better. So now I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Give the people what they want.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. But man so and that's you you mentioned on this too but where you, you iRacing racing will literally change the like it'll account for the temperature of the pavement that the track is okay. or you know to and it'll that'll affect how your car behaves when you're driving.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean whether it's whether it's track temperature, I mean there's humidity, if you know, if clouds show up, it's the funniest thing is so we run a service wide Indianapolis five hundred every year, right? Uh-huh. You know, and and it doesn't matter who you are, as long as you're you know, as long as your license levels and ratings are high enough that you're that you're capable. So basically that you didn't just sign up yesterday. Um, you know, you can go make a qualifying attempt for this Indy 500 and we'll run a ton of different splits. So the Indy 500 in the real world is 33 cars. So we'll have all 33 car splits. So if 3,300 people show up, then we're running 100 concurrent Indy 500s. Um, but, you know, you've got the way these Indy 500s are broken up is we do real world style time trial qualifying. and The discussion every year is whether we have dynamic weather or whether or if the weather is going to be the exact same for everybody, because one little cloud over turn three can make all the difference the same way that it does in the real world. You know, and regardless of where anybody falls on that line, you know, it's one of those things that people have a spirited debate about every year because it makes all the difference in the world. You know, it's it's just it it's such a game changer to have dynamic properties like that that affect the racing experience but again that's how the real world is you know a cloud shows up during your qualifying run in the real world and something very different is going to happen versus if the sun is just beating down there's not a cloud in the sky
1: that is so incredible to me that you guys have that level of of detail in that. And that how do you how are you able to even determine how a cloud would affect the uh, you know racing conditions? How, like I could understand in the real world it just happens, and you're like, oh well, it's different now. But how are you guys able to put that into a, a program?
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, there are a lot of engineers you know, in iRacing who have come from the real world and have those notebooks and notebooks of knowledge uh that they're able to apply. You know, it's I, I genuinely think that we have the best programming team out there. And, you know, they can they can certainly speak to it a lot more in depth than I can. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where when you've got that real world experience, what your job is in the sim world is to build your product to react the way that the real world would react. And if you know how the real world is going to react, then half your job's done for you, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Because we've, you know, everybody's got notebooks and notebooks full of this sort of data because, you know, working on real world cars, working in real race series, you know, it's these folks understand what kind of change one degree in temperature is gonna make you know it's it's one of those things that it really comes from experience it's you know it's like anything else you do something for long enough and get good at it and understand it like the back of your hand and you're able to put that in but i mean you know we we're fortunate enough in that we're talking about a sport that's been around for over a hundred years now and even though there's probably not a lot of relevance from that first Indy 500 back in the 1910s, um, you know, it's people keep a lot of data right now. Data is what keeps motorsport of all levels alive at this point. And whether you're just taking it down, you know, in spiral notebooks or whether you're using some of the most intense software in the world, the way that the Formula One team does, I mean, there's, there's such a wealth of information out there that people are able to take advantage of to just make these, make these things as realistic as possible. I'm just not the guy who writes the code on unfortunately.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, having one of those guys on, they would probably dive into stuff that's way over any of our heads anyway. So we (laughs) wouldn't even understand, but, and then the, the cars too, because you replicate real cars, that seems so much more difficult than a track even to me because it's not just I would imagine there's more than just scanning it because there's the all the internal components and everything and horsepower and all that kind of stuff. How how do you guys even go about
0: that? I mean, yes and no. And that's part of that is you need to rely on a good cooperative partner there. You know, there are some partners that we've had over the years who have been very forthcoming with data and information and more than happy to give us everything that they possibly can. And there are some partners who haven't that they, you know, they've been happy to give up the license, but they're not happy to give up spring rates. They're not happy to give up engine tuning. They're not happy to, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And that can make it harder. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, that's more because, especially in the real world, these teams are going to want to protect some of their interests and some of their data. And that is how, you know. That's that's just a symptom of real world motorsport, especially manufacturer-driven motorsport. I mean, I remember my first ever GRC race when I was in Brazil, and I just, you know, as a social media guy, I'm just sort of trying to take a photo of mechanics working on the cars. And I'm towards, you know, I'm standing towards the front of the car, and the hood's open, you know. In even though, frankly, the uh, the car that I was that I was uh, shooting did not didn't really have the performance that I think they wanted to, you know, the, uh, the chief mechanic kind of pulled me aside and said, Hey, just a heads up. I know that you're not doing anything malicious, but you know, if, uh, (laughs) if you weren't part of the series, then I would have had you thrown out of the garage for taking that photo. You know, (laughs) teams can be, people can be very, very protective of various things in there. And again, that's a, that's a manufacturer's symptom you know, so sometimes you'll get much more data from an older car than a newer car because the older car is not competing anymore and it doesn't matter. And maybe they've reinvented what they're doing from the ground up. So it's not really relevant um, to their current race products. I mean, again, there's there's some that are more cooperative than others. You know, NASCAR has certainly been, I think, one of the most cooperative overall over the years. Um you know, they were the first really esports world championship back in, I think it was 2010 that that e-NASCAR uh, world championship started. And actually, Dale Jr. was the first race winner in that. Huh. Uh, he would show up to some of those races and he would run them, and he won the very first one at Daytona. So, uh, cool little factoid there. Um, but, you know, NASCAR has always been so supportive, and it's always been it's always been such a good relationship. So you always see NASCAR content come out very quickly because they're willing to support what we're doing. They understand the value. They understand its importance and they, you know, in some ways they rely on it because it, it serves a huge need for them in that it gets people interested in, you know, in them that are iRacers that might be coming in, whether it's, as a casual gamer or a lifer in some other form of motorsport. You know, I've I've heard I mean anecdotal evidence is not is not a set of real, you know, data. Anybody who's taken a stats class can probably tell you that. But the amount of anecdotal stories that I've heard from friends, acquaintances, people I follow on Twitter who have said, yeah, I got into iRacing because I wanted to drive this, and then I fell in love with this other car and this other form of racing, and now I'm a huge fan of this form of racing, you know, I've heard that story more times than I can count, mm-hmm. you know, and and for NASCAR, which is obviously, uh, you know, the NASCAR fan base obviously is probably, you know, if you think about it, it, it skews a little on the older side, it skews a little more towards certain areas of America, you know, that, that can be hugely valuable, because now you're capturing a gaming audience sometimes that may not really be familiar with what it is. And they come in with kind of a blank slate and they just drive the cars and the tracks and they love it. And then boom, suddenly you got new NASCAR fans, Mm -hmm. you know, from, from demographics, from locations that you never might've had those fans before, but they're just, they're avid PC game players and they gave this a try and they liked it and they got hooked, you know? Um, so, yeah, again, NASCAR has really been, you know, one of the one of the best for, you know, maybe the longest time about this. They've always, always been very supportive. But over the years, you know, as it starts working for one, motorsport is about emulation. Let's be real. When somebody hits on something, everybody else is going to follow them as soon as they can. It's how the industry has always worked. Yeah. And so because of that foresight and that forethought on NASCAR's part, you know, A lot of other organizations Have been the same way You know, there are some that have been partners with iRacing since the very beginning Uh, Williams F1 has You know, as an example, has always been Very forward-thinking In terms of esports And Williams F1 You know, not not only do they Have their Formula 1 team that's been running For decades and has multiple world championships And what have you, but they've also Got one of the strongest racing esports Teams in the world, you know And it's just it's organizations like that. And what we were able to do this year was sort of bring in most of the missing ones, the major missing ones, and give them an idea of, hey, this is how this works and this is how that benefits you. And most of them have stuck around or, you know, have at least expressed intention to stick around beyond uh, beyond when the pandemic forced all of the racing to be virtual.
1: Right. Okay. And then, um, what was, Oh, one thing I was curious about too, is how do you, do you guys account for, um, kind of like wear and tear on a car? Like, you know, I would imagine like a, a, a brand new shock would behave differently than, you know, a, a shock with 50,000 miles on it or, or tire wear and stuff too, I'm sure. But like, how do you guys account for that kind
0: of stuff? Oh, for sure. I mean, You know, as I said, if you really, really want to race casual and just sort of a private session with your buddies, you can turn it off, but default and in most places it is on and it is realistic and one little scrape in the wall can change everything for you. You know, if you, if you run up too hot, you know, in a, we, we actually, the first Eat NASCAR race of the year at Daytona last year, 2019, you had a couple of teammates who were trying to work together and one of them wasn't cooling his engine temperature the way that he needed to. And he blew his engine trying to draft because he just ran it, ran it too hot and it let go. Um, You know, so that's, that's certainly stuff we account for as well. Um, You know, it's, it's funny because since you're not tearing up a real race car, there are certainly the people who realize, Oh, well, I'm not financially responsible for all this crash damage. And you might drive a little differently and, you know, (laughs) That that stuff is discouraged. We have a pretty robust protest system and things of that nature. So if you if you do happen to drive like an idiot too often, you might get suspended from the service. You might lose your rights to use the service. Okay, you know, it's it it really again it is about realism. Yeah. Um, and we and not only that, but we do have a new damage model that has just been rolling out. A couple of cars at a time basically um, and so you'll see you'll see far more spectacular damage on some cars than others uh, you know where more pieces might fly off where wheels might fly off where you know just all the sorts of things that you would see in the real world if you really had a bad time um, you know you'll deal with that stuff uh-huh. uh, so you know it's really important to drive as you know as carefully as you would in the real world and not necessarily carefully meaning slowly but carefully meaning you know deliberately and you know just not trying to make the hero move in turn one of lap one from the back of the grid because you're never going to win the race in turn one of lap one
1: mm-hmm. it's this isn't a uh, mario kart where you can just drive off the track and then get placed back on and you're you're good to go <laughs>
0: No, it's and I've never pulled off that exploit in Rainbow Road. I have tried my damnedest, but I've never had my angle right. <laughs>
1: um okay, so this is what this is what I'm really curious about now is because i'm I'm super stoked on iRacing and want to get started, so what is the like how do I get into it? What kind of a uh, equipment do I need? What PC do I need? What wheel, like what's kind of, what do you kind of recommend for people who want to jump into this?
0: So we do have a whole, uh, section on our site on iracing.com under membership that outlines a lot of this for you. You can actually log in with the computer that you've got, click on uh, hardware requirements and then click on, can my system run iracing? And oh, it'll nice. just flat out tell you, um, Again, the same way as real motorsport, you can make this as expensive or inexpensive as you want to, depending upon how determined you are. There are a lot of consumer-grade wheel and pedal sets out there that will only run up to a few hundred dollars, um, that are very durable, that are very responsive, that offer force feedback, which is that wheel shake that sort of tricks your brain into you know, having that almost it tricks your brain into thinking you have the seat of your pants feeling kind of right. Right, You know? And, And then, I mean, there, there's more intensive stuff out there. There are guys who spend tens of thousands of dollars on rigs, you know, with, uh, with that full on immersive force feedback because they want it to be as close to the real thing as possible, you know, but, but you really can get started for, you know, a few hundred dollars for the wheel and pedal set. Again, I, right now I do not recommend this unless there's another wheel and pedal shortage, like the great wheel and pedal shortage of 2020 when everybody was trying to log on (laughs) and everybody was signing up and there actually was a pretty big backlog of just people trying to get new equipment. And sometimes it would take weeks or months Uh, Because everybody was trying to get on and the industry wasn't, you know, the industry wasn't prepared for a year like that because, well, let's be real, nobody was. Um, But I do use a $20 wired Xbox controller just for the sake of being able to get on if I need to take screenshots or something. Mm -hmm. I'm not turning competitive laps. You know, I'm six, seven seconds off the pace on a 30 second lap. I do not recommend it you know um there are a couple of guys out there who are good enough that they're able to do something with it but again it's not what we're it's not what we're designed for you should be racing on right. racing with the wheel and pedals and you know whether you want to buy sort of a setup for it where you know there there's specialty hardware where you can feel more like you're in the seat of the real thing or whether you just want to clamp it to your desk and use a chair from the kitchen table. You know, mm-hmm. I, some of our most talented eye racers who have actually made it the furthest in the real world are the guys who run with a desk chair in their home office. <laughs> like seriously, I mean, one of the guys, Timmy Hill was, we didn't track the races with the real NASCAR drivers as a championship officially, people people independently calculated points as if it was the real thing and Timmy Hill would have been the champion. The funny thing, Timmy Hill won one of our races that was on TV on Fox and later that night was sitting in the same chair filling out his 2019 tax forms. You know, <laughs> on the same computer. Right. You know, and and Timmy Hill is see there there's that guy who i said you know when i said earlier if i started trying to name them all off i'd forget somebody timmy hill is probably w- one of the biggest names as far as we go in that in that timmy hill is somebody who regularly runs the top three levels of nascar racing but timmy hill actually was a regular in our eNASCAR nascar coca-cola iRacing racing series up through last year so one of the 40 best real NASCAR drivers in the world and one of the 40 best virtual NASCAR drivers in the world. And that's not a lot a skill set that a lot of people have. Yeah. But again, Timmy is one of those people. Timmy actually, I think, declined offers to race in a more realistic setup. But to me, I think that's one of the things that made him successful because Timmy knows how to differentiate in his mind, you know, and this, this was actually one of the biggest pieces of advice that I gave people going in that had never used iRacing before, but were real pro drivers. I said, look, if you have decided that sim racing is going to be a long-term part of your career, then yeah, go buy whatever you want. But to be completely honest with you, if this is only something that you're going to do for the next three or four months, while we figure out what direction the world at large is heading in. Right. Don't do that. Just just buy the consumer-grade wheel and pedal set, because that's how you're going to force yourself to take advantage of the sim, rather than just assume that the sim is 100% of the time always going to work the right way real life does. You know, A lot of the guys who came in expecting everything to be exactly the same because again, that seat of the pants feel, you know, you're not gonna have it as much in sim racing as you would in a real car where you can feel the rumble of the engine beneath your butt. Sure. Um you know a lot of the guys who rely heavily on that and have never sim raced got the floor wiped with themselves and probably got frustrated and you know would quit a little early sometimes mm-hmm. because it just it's not the world that they come from, certainly doesn't make them bad real race car drivers, but it's one of those things where they weren't approaching it for what it is you know it's it's it would be foolish for anybody to act as if a simulation of something and the real thing are ever a hundred percent the same thing right you know? it's it's your your goal when you're producing a simulation, and I don't care what your product is is to get as close as you can while recognizing that there are still things that are going to be a little bit different, Mm -hmm. you know, just a little bit. But the thing is for the guys who came in and didn't think that way, they struggled. The guys who really did well were probably early adopters, long time, I racers and have had years and years of practice of making that distinction. And they would go out and take all the victories and, You know, some of the big names would get bummed because it's like, oh, here's this guy who runs 32nd in the real world and he's winning all the races. And it's like, well, you know, you'll get back to real racing soon enough. Yeah. So it's it's not that bad a thing for these guys to be able to get a little bit of exposure too, because let's be real. If you know, if if you've got somebody who's generating a ton of interest on TV, if he lands another sponsor in the real world that comes in and sees value in real world racing. We are all hunting for sponsors at all times in Mm -hmm. real world racing. You know, it's, it's an expensive proposition, no matter what you're driving. And if one new company comes in because of what we did, then to me, that's us. It's, it's not the forefront of what we're trying to do, but it's, it's a, certainly a positive side effect of what we were doing. You know, and there were definitely some new sponsors that came in that have activated very, very heavily through sim racing sponsors that you probably wouldn't expect to be active in this world. Um, you know, I, and not not as sort of an advertisement or anything, but Blue Emu is a great example of one that has done this, um, where they partnered up with a driver, Landon Castle. Now, Blue Emu has a partnership with NASCAR, but they're not, you know, they haven't really been regularly a primary sponsor on cars, but they linked up with Landon Castle, who was running these races, uh, formed a very strong relationship with Landon through that, and have activated very heavily in the sim world. And it's, it's definitely a partnership where they've seen results because they've kind of been expanding what they've been doing in it. You know, so for us to have produced something where you've got one you've got even one new brand that a NASCAR fan wouldn't have thought about at all, maybe last year, you know, it's just, it's a, it it can make all the difference in the world over time as they add up. Mm -hmm.
1: No, I can, I can totally see that. Um, and then just, again, to kind of, um, I'm thinking for here when I, when I try to jump on this and, and learn all this stuff is do you guys have, um, cause I, I'm going to be horrible. I'm going to be terrible when I get on this. I have no idea how to race or anything. Do you guys have, okay. uh, like tutorials or something like that to help me learn how to, how to race a car?
0: Oh yeah, of course. And our member site has a ton of different resources. Uh, you know, there, there are welcome videos. There are how to videos, You know, we've we've got a pretty extensive help section on there. It includes a driving school. Um, You know, there's all sorts of different stuff. There are all sorts of different, um, you know, resources. A lot of people in the community are very, very helpful uh, in terms of what sorts of information and tips they're willing to provide. I mean, you know, you've got services out there. Virtual, you know, driving schools, things of that nature, whether it's us oh, or wow. whether it's third parties, you know, you've got you've got professional sim racers who offer their time as coaches. There is a whole ecosystem. There is a whole infrastructure the same way that there would be in the real world. Again, it's how expensive you want to make it for yourself, um, just like anything else with real world motorsport, um, you know, and. It's, so we've got eNASCAR champions who do coaching, you know, as private third-party situations, sports car champions that do private third-party coaching, on and on and on. Um, it's, the, the resources are out there for anybody who wants to find them, you know, and I don't know. It's, I, I couldn't really estimate how frequently they're utilized. Um, Because, you know, there are a lot of people who they just come in and they're just so excited that they just want to jump in and drive. Mm -hmm. But they do make a huge difference And being able to, you know, it's it's just like anything else. If you're meticulous with it, if you're careful with it, if you're if it's really a priority to you to do it right, then resources like our driving school, resources like our how to's and things of that nature you know, they, they really do make all the
1: difference in the world. -hmm. Damn. Well, shit, Chris, this is awesome. I'm so excited talking to you and and learning about all this stuff. I really can't wait to jump on and try all this stuff. So I'm so glad that you guys are around that iRacing exists and you, you're putting so much incredible detail and effort into replicating tracks Mm -hmm. and cars. To me, it's, it's freaking mind blowing that, something can be created like this. So I'm glad you guys exist. I really appreciate this.
0: Yeah, for sure. No. And it's been, I mean, certainly for me, it's been a ride sort of getting to be getting to be involved with this. Cause again, coming from real racing, you know, and the time that I spent in real racing, there's a lot of, there are a lot of inefficiencies in the world of real motorsport. There are a lot of times where people, you know, care more about doing things their way than the right way. There are a lot of times where people throw money at things for the sake of throwing money at things. There are, you know, if you tried to write a book on just all the times that happened, you wouldn't be writing a book. You'd be writing an encyclopedia set. Um, You know, you don't have to make those mistakes in the virtual world. And to me, that's one of the most fun and exciting things about it. I mean, I'm You know, my obviously coming from rallycross, my pet. You know, I I don't really want to call it a pet project because I see the value in it regardless. But one of the biggest projects I work on is I race in rallycross. You know, in terms of promoting those races, promoting the world championship, promoting the all-star events. Um, And to me, it's I came from a series where. Per car, it would cost about four million dollars to run for the season on a top-tier team by the end of when we were doing it. And you were only doing eight events and Jeez. twelve rounds because four of them were double headers. You know, it wasn't something that made a lot of financial sense. You know yeah. <laughs> the the cars when they were built new would cost more than half a million dollars. When I got hired, I would tell some of the people in the marketing department these numbers, and they literally called BS on me. They were like, I could buy two sports cars, you know, racing sports cars, homologated to go run Le Mans for that price. And I'm like, I know that was the problem, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Whereas when I came in, it was about the same amount of events, and it only cost a million to run up front for the year. You know, so over the course of five years... The spending quadrupled. But you go into you go into iRacing and you know, if you don't have brand loyalty, you've got a free Rallycross car sitting in front of you, and you've got multiple free tracks sitting in front of you, and yep. boom, you can go start your Rallycross career. You know, so when I've been talking to real-world teams about coming in and doing IRX events, whether it was the all-star stuff, whether it was the world championship, when you take away all of the financial hurdles that they had to deal with in the real world. And they look at this thing, they're like, well, we get all the fun stuff that we liked about this as a marketing product without having to write off seven figures every year. This is a no brainer. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, (laughs) it's, it's funny. Like every, I knock on wood, I have not gotten to know in a conversation that I've had with anybody yet about iRacing Rallycross, you know, from a marketing standpoint, because they've all, and that's the thing. Even even if you're a sponsor, I mean, if you want to come in and sponsor esports, your costs are dramatically lower because you're not dealing with all this infrastructure. You're not dealing with the, all these logistics issues. And I'm not saying that we have any intent of replacing real-world motorsport because we don't. We're a simulation product, right? right. You know. What, what good is a simulation if you're not simulating something, yeah. you know? At, at that point, we're, we're something very, very different, and, you know, you're talking about an entire field of business that has gone under. Um, but, you know, when I when I show the numbers to people and when I talk about getting involved in something, it's a... It's a reasonably low cost spend with a decent amount of bang for your buck, you know, because you're not you're not dealing with the cost of shipping something halfway across America. You're not dealing with man hours and putting up a tent and activating and hoping that you get, you know, a few hundred conversions on site at a race event. Yeah. You know, you're dealing you're dealing with a live stream and you're dealing with something that people can go back and watch repeatedly forever. and your branding is on that scoring ticker or your branding is on those virtual race cars. Or if you're a race team and both of your cars get yard sailed flying over the jump because somebody was a little too confident, you're not talking about half a million dollars in written off equipment. You're talking about somebody hitting a reset button. And yeah, maybe, you know, maybe on Monday you have a conversation about how, yeah, lap one probably wasn't the time to send it that hard over the jump. But nonetheless, you know, you're you're not dealing with a bunch of PO'd mechanics yeah. who are, uh, you know, who are having to fix whatever you dealt with and your sponsor or your family or you yourself aren't having to write a big check to cover all the damages, right. you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's an infrastructure that hasn't gotten inflated to a point where it doesn't work mm-hmm. the way that other real world motorsport infrastructures can very easily get inflated to those points. And like I said, believe me, I was with one of the, probably one of the most painful and heartbreaking ones in GRC, but you know, man, when you quadruple the cost of what the cars cost, you know, when you're building temporary tracks that get taken down after three days and what all that costs, you know, it just, it, it became something where, the running tally never made sense and it was never going to make sense that way. And it's just not, you know, there are problems that we don't have to deal with, you know, and it's, there are, there are things that we're never going to be able to replace in the real world from a marketing standpoint in doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, we can't, we can't pack tens of thousands of virtual spectators like on the ground where they're feeling the rumble of the cars and where they're smelling the tires and the fuel and whatever, sure. You know, but you know, for it's something where you can make a lot of business sense around esports if you do it the right way, and it's not as hard to do esports, in my opinion, the right way as it can be to do real world motorsports the right way.
1: Right. Well, so should we send people to iRacing.com? Is that the best place to to send folks to?
0: Yep, iRacing.com iRacing.com slash membership uh, if you just want to sign up right away there are a ton of different uh, options whether you just want to try it out for a couple of months or whether you want to go all in and subscribe for two years and I believe we are running one of our steepest discounts right now Um, I will actually that's the beauty of being on the uh, computer while we're doing this right is I can just go in and check this and Make sure I get things right. We are running fifty percent off all new memberships right now, so Ooh, okay. that is the absolute steepest discount that you know that we ever do is fifty percent. So now is a perfect time. Uh, we crossed a hundred thousand members last year, and we ballooned over the spring. And if you're one of the eighty or so thousand people who just signed up over the past six seven months, thank wow. you very much. And certainly, a special thank you as well to some of the people who have been there for the beginning. We've got some members who have been with us for over a decade, um, you know, including some real big name race car drivers. You know, Scott Speed is a name I mentioned. Parker Kligerman's another one. Ron Cap's an NHRA champion, they've all been a part of iRacing and racing regularly since the beginning. Landon Castle, who I mentioned a little bit earlier as well, you know, and you've got you've got all sorts of people. You know from again all different backgrounds that are iRacers and it's just it's really cool to be a part of the you know the racing is fantastic it's you can find just about anything that you want to drive on four wheels mm-hmm. within the sim whether whether you're big on formula one or nascar or indycar or just want to launch some trucks in the air which is probably my personal favorite uh because i love the off-road stuff it's the real world motorsport that i do right now that is primarily kind of where i work is within the off-road world so yeah you know it's it's one of the it's you can you can find just about everything you want and there's enough free content out there too that outside of your subscription you may not ever have to spend another dime because there's there's just so much out there you know we've we've got people who they just love running miles to mx5s you know and <laughs> they'll race that series and you know, or they even just don't mind waiting for, you know, whatever the current NASCAR or IndyCar is to go out of style, you know. Because when when we update content, older content becomes legacy content and it's sold at a steep, steep discount. Nice. So, um, you know, but again, there's there's stuff that you're guaranteed for free when you sign up. Uh, there's, there is some stuff that is, you know, fairly cheap. And then you've got a lot of stuff that is just kind of our our premium content. If you want to make your way up the ladder and all sorts of different esports world championships or run endurance events as part of a team or what have you. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of lame to call it, choose your own adventure, but you really can, you can, your time on iRacing is whatever you want to make of it. Whether you want to run with public folks from around the world, whether you just want to get on with your buddies and set things up on your own, you know, it's, it's in a lot of ways we're like a bunch of different racing simulations in one. And, you know, it's certainly cool to, uh, it's cool to be a part of that. We have an amazing team of people, uh, supporting us. We have an amazing team of people that are my colleagues that, um, you know, without whom the experience wouldn't be anything like the way it is. And, uh, you know, we've also, we've actually got our own podcast, uh, I racing downshift that, uh, sporadically we'll interview some of those people who sort of support iRacing and have been advocates for us and they talk about their experiences and we talk about some of what we've got coming up in future builds and things like that so um you know we do our best to keep everybody informed but yeah going back to membership right now 50 percent off that's uh that's about the best deal you can possibly get if you haven't signed up yet
1: okay sweet no that's i'm glad you guys have that and yeah thanks again chris i'm i'm so glad you guys are around and doing this and appreciate you coming on and taking the time to share all this info so thank you
0: yeah of course no thanks for having me it's uh it's been fun and uh hopefully hopefully we get a few uh few of your listeners onto iRacing high racing if they weren't already on board beforehand
1: yeah, no, totally. Well, I mean, anybody listening just go f- at least check out some clips on YouTube or something cuz it is just freaking incredible how real this stuff war- looks. It is mind-blowing. So, uh, at least do that, at the very least. But um, all right, Chris, appreciate it. I'll let you go. Good luck on the basement and uh have a good one, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you, Travis, and uh well the nice thing is that none of my sim stuff is in the basement or at least the part that got wet so we're good there we're good there just got to dry a couple rugs out a little more
1: there you go all good Well, there you have it. Thanks for being here to the end of episode 88. Thanks to Chris for being on and sharing all that info about iRacing. They didn't sponsor this episode or anything like that. I just found them. I've always wanted to race and just thought they were awesome. So invited them on to learn a bit more about what they were doing and boy, did they deliver. So that was fun. Thanks for being here again. And uh, that's it. The episode's over. If maybe if you know somebody who's into cars or racing or even video games. Hey, send them this episode, share it with them. Maybe they'd like it. They could learn a bit about it. Maybe you could start a whole racing family or a racing crew with your friends. Who knows? Uh, so I'd appreciate it. Love it. If you shared it with somebody who you think might like this episode, send it to them on email or social media or through just tell them with your face. And, uh, that'd be great. Um, that's it. Oh, curiosityness.com. You can send me an email with your thoughts, feedback, questions, comments, ideas for new episodes at Travis at curiosityness.com. I'm on Instagram at Trav DeRose. I post stuff on there. If When I get an eye racing setup, I'll be posting it up on there. And that's it. We're, this episode's gone on way too long. We're done. Thank you for being here. I'll see you in episode 89. Bye.